We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the BuzzBeat Podcast. I'm your host, Richie, and this episode is being brought to you by Untuck It and Manscaped. Blue Wire. Breaking news, Terry Rozier. He'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good! Terry Rozier! All right, what's going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of BuzzBeat, a Blue Wire podcast. The Charlotte Hornets are now 4-3 and three after just winning an overtime game against the Pacers. Uh, I'm recording this immediately following the game and their win over the Pacers, which was definitely a very exciting one from start to finish. Uh, I'm going solo on this pod tonight. Brian and Spencer can't make this recording, but I felt like I had to get in a reaction pod to this game. Coming into this game, the Indiana Pacers were on a three-game win streak. They started 0-3, and then they had won three straight looking for their fourth. They definitely were hit with the injury bug, and they were playing without a couple of their starters. You know, we have uh, Miles Turner and Domas Sabonis out with injury, and then obviously you have Victor Oladipo, who has been and who will be out a significant amount of time for the Pacers. So the Hornets were playing a Pacers team that was caught with the injury bug, not at 100%, but they still came away uh, with the victory tonight. I'm recording this on a Tuesday night. Uh, You could potentially be listening to this on Wednesday, uh, the morning after. So the Hornets won 122-120 in overtime, and Great games uh, by a lot of different players, and Borrego definitely played the hot hand here. So I'm just going to kind of go down player by player and kind of talk about their game. I think I'm going to save some of the better ones for for later. All right, so the first player I think I want to get into today uh, is Dwayne Bacon. Dwayne Bacon is a starter, clearly, for the Hornets, but did not get to play a whole lot of minutes only playing 13 minutes and scoring zero points uh, in his time out on the court. He was uh, in foul trouble real early in the game, picked up two personal fouls probably within the first five or six minutes, and Devontae Graham had to come on. Uh, Devontae Graham is typically one of the first subs off the bench, but he had to come in because of Bacon's foul trouble. And then Bacon uh, wasn't offering a whole lot, uh, not scoring a whole lot at the rim with other players producing 
and hustling and bringing that energy, it made a whole lot of sense for Borrego just to sit bacon. And, and that was a decision that I'm totally fine with him making. And moving forward, you know, if Dwayne Bacon does hit those stretches where he's scoring, you know, six points within, you know, three minutes and he has those microwave scoring outbursts, then yeah, you keep rolling with the hot hand. But Dwayne Bacon was definitely not that tonight. And getting into the swing of things with him uh, was difficult because of that foul trouble. All right, let's transition to Cody Zeller. Cody Zeller, like Bacon, did not play a whole lot of minutes tonight, only playing 17. And again, like I said, Borrego is going to play the hot hand. And um, we'll get to him in a minute. But Bismack Biombo uh, was the player that, that brought that energy and was the hot hand. So it did not make a whole lot of sense for Cody Zeller uh, to play late in this game. He had seven points. He was 0 for 2 from three-point range uh, and collected only one rebound. I think that there were some things that I saw out of Cody Zeller that's typical of him working in the DHO game, in the pick game. But I noticed a couple times that Borrego and Zeller in general were attacking the post area with Goga guarding him, the rookie. You know, he's definitely more ahead in his offensive game than his defensive game. And I think that's probably part of the reason as to why Cody Zeller attacked him. And one thing that I will always note with Cody Zeller is just the fact that he plays great perimeter defense when he gets switched on to a point guard, a shooting guard, whatever whatever it may be. Obviously, a player that is a little bit quicker than him. He does a good job uh, of staying with him and contesting the shot. There were a couple times where he was switched on to Brogdon, who I think Brogdon may, maybe have scored on both of these attempts, but it wasn't because it was a lack of defense. And, and Cody Zeller did a great job in sliding his feet and just staying with Brogdon all the way to the hoop and, and contesting that shot. So Zeller, like Bacon, didn't get a ton of playing time, uh, but I think it's more because of the players that were we're heating up, and uh, Borrego rolled with the hot hand. And one player that had the hot hand in the first first quarter, first half, uh, was Malik Monk. And he didn't play a ton, if at all, in the second half, to my memory. But the Hornets started off slow. At one point, I think they must have been down by close to 20. And it wasn't until Monk came in that things started to switch a little bit. He was a very good playmaker uh, with the ball in his hands. Uh, he had an alley-oop to Miles Bridges. He had one play where he caught a pass uh, from the corner off of uh, Devonte Graham, who was passing it from the corner. He catches it in stride, makes an in-and-out dribble, uh, draws the defenders, and, and dishes it off to Miles Bridges for a dunk. He still, on defense... Uh, is an issue. He overruns his man on some closeouts. I remember one specifically uh, that happened in the third quarter. I get running your man off the three-point line, uh, but you still got to stay in position to recover uh, and at least be on the guy's back. This this one specific closeout, he was closing out on his man, and he overran him so much that there was no pressure from him You know, on the backside. So the player on offense, I can't remember who it was, uh, definitely didn't feel him. So Monk, really, really good first half. I, I think without him in this first half, I don't think the Hornets would have been in this game. The momentum definitely shifted back and forth. Uh, but in the first half, it, it looked like it was a lot of pacers early on. And I think Monk kind of switched the switched the momentum a little bit. And you know his playmaking 
his shooting. He's a little bit more patient this year. I think that he does change direction, changes speeds a lot, but he is patient in the way that he moves. So I, I do want to give props to Malik Monk in the way that he played. Uh, he scored only four points, but I, I think his impact was was way bigger than just kind of looking at the stat sheet in the first half especially. All right, let's take a break real quick. Have you ever seen an untucked button-down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. And with the holidays near, there's no better gift for your favorite guy who needs an upgrade. I will say that I wear button-down shirts on a regular basis for my job. Uh, And some days I don't feel like tucking them in, but you can't do that with most button-down shirts. So you either decide to keep it tucked in or wear something completely different, unless you have a untucked shirt. And I actually got one of those last year, and I love wearing it because it falls at the perfect length. With more than 50 plus fit combinations, untucked shirts looks great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulky, too long, or too big. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style on your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Support for Blue Wire comes from Manscaped, who's number one in the men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaping is never an easy task and can often lead to some disasters below the belt. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past, and don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. In addition to the Lawnmower 2.0, Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Start taking care of your grooming and get 20% off, plus free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BLUEWIRE. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. All right, so we're back from the break. I do want to get into some of the players that made a bigger impact on the game, the players that closed it, and obviously there was a lineup in the second quarter that worked really, really well, and there was one common denominator, or there's multiple common denominators, but there was one common denominator in both of those lineups in the late second quarter and the lineup to close the game. Uh, Let's first start with P.J. Washington because he was in one of those lineups in the second quarter where... It felt like everything was going right for the Hornets towards the end of the half. Man, he he had this one play in the second quarter, real late in the second quarter. I would say about a minute left. He gets switched on to Justin Holiday in the post, sizes him up, takes him off the bounce, 
and he is approaching probably two or three defenders at the rim, and he's able to withstand that contact, go up and under, uh, and make this basket uh, where it didn't seem like it was a, a basket that was likely to be made. But just to see that strength out of P.J. Washington uh, was awesome. And I, I know that we saw a right hook of his in the second quarter as well. And he also had a posterizing dunk on, on Sampson, uh, catching the ball out of the right corner, dribbling into the paint, and actually dunking it with his left hand. He did come up hobbled in the second half, and probably a big reason as to why he didn't get a whole lot of minutes uh, towards the end. But he was very, very pivotal in that second quarter and keeping the Hornets afloat as they headed into halftime. And again, like Monk, without his first half performance, these Hornets wouldn't have been in this game. All right, next player that we got to get into is Miles Bridges. He played 43 minutes tonight, 8 of 10 from the field, 2 of 3 from deep, and 3 rebounds. He scored 18 points, which seemed like a quiet 18 points. I know there was points in the game where, especially in the second half, he got things going towards the rim, attacking off the dribble. He had a couple of above-the-break threes, which is something that he needed to work on if he's going to be playing that four position in that pick-and-pop game, he's going to see more opportunities above the break. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm sure his above-the-break threes have been at a much higher clip, inevitably, from last year. I think both of his three-point makes tonight were on the above-the-break variety. I think because he does struggle defensively, I wouldn't say his offensive impact is negated uh, from his defense, but he does make some silly mistakes and, and just... He's just spacey on defense. There's one play specifically where TJ Warren was killing us all night. I feel like he didn't miss a shot from the field, but he is a player that you got to keep your eyes on at all times. And I know it's difficult to see the ball and your man at the same time, or at least it seemingly it seems like it is sometimes for Miles Bridges. But he was guarding TJ Warren late in the shot clock in the corner, completely lost him. The TJ Warren just makes a back cut towards the basket, wide open. Miles Bridges looks in the corner, realizes TJ Warren's nowhere to be found, uh, and turns around and, and cannot recover. So it's plays like that that you see pretty much on a game-to-game basis with Miles Bridges. And I, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know whether it's for him to face guard more often and, and not worry about help side defense as much, but he does a great job of coming over and affecting those weak side blocks, but it's a, it's a give and take with Miles Bridges on the defensive end. Uh, there there are times where his athleticism shines, but there's also times where mentally, uh, off ball especially, and at, at times on ball, uh, he does not produce the way that you would want him to. And I think his physical makeup is there. I, I think he has all the physical tools to be a good defensive player. It's all about putting it together with the mental aspect and he does have a hard time navigating screens as well, just kind of weaving in and out of the screens. And I think TJ Warren also had a play where he read Miles Bridges perfectly and, and made a corner three. And I felt like the Pacers, who don't take a ton of threes, but they're really a mid-range team, hit several, several corner threes tonight. Uh, I think that was a combination of good play from the Pacers, but also just spacey defenders on the Hornet side and just kind of losing their man. And, and Miles Bridges always seems to be a big culprit in that. All right, we got a couple more players to get to. Terry Rozier definitely needs to be mentioned tonight. 43 minutes, 
He was 7 of 19 from the field and scored 22 points. He had four assists, and one of those was it was a nice full-court pass, look-away pass to P.J. Washington down the court. You don't really see that often out of Terry Rozier, or you don't think of him as being someone that can make that type of pass. Yes, P.J. Washington was wide open, but just to look ahead and kind of be unselfish in that sense, Terry Rozier, he still is a little bit confusing when it comes to playing the pick and roll. He really, really does like and tend to keep his man on his back a lot of times. He he, he gets past the, the screen, but then he just wants to sit there with his man on his back. I don't know if he's unsure of if he should attack the rim, shoot from mid-range, whatever it may be, but I think a struggle of his is clearly scoring at the hoop, so maybe he's hesitant on, on attacking the rim, and defenses probably drop as they do guard him. And it's just confusing as to what his game plan is after he gets past the level of the screen and getting into the paint because, you know, obviously mid-range shots aren't the most efficient. And I think he actually opened up the game with with a made mid-range shot. But anyway, that's probably where he tends to take a lot of his shots because he's afraid to attack the rim. The defenses are dropping back. He doesn't score at the rim at a high rate. And, and that's going to be an issue for him all year until he progressively gets better at the rim. I do think that, you know, he had some highlight plays in the second half, grabbed some offensive rebounds. He had a step back three, I think, to give Charlotte its first lead of the game. I wouldn't say like he's blowing it out of the water by any means, but we do need to give him credit, at least more credit than I think a lot of people are giving him. And one, one mistake, I guess it's really two mistakes that he makes. He makes a bad pass early in the game, and it leads to a fast break point the other way. Uh, but to compound the mistake there, Tierrazier doesn't even get back for the inbounds pass. And James Arrego is forced to call a timeout because I believe P.J. Washington had no one to inbound the ball to. So I, I think that's something to kind of look at as we move forward. I, hopefully that doesn't keep appearing in games and bonehead mistakes. I, I don't I don't think that's going to be the case, uh, but that's one of the, the mistakes that I saw this game that I just was shaking my head as to why why he was so frustrated with that one turnover that he couldn't get back to receive the inbounds pass. All right, we've got to get to the player of the games here. Devontae Graham, Bismack Biombo, Cody Martin. Uh, those three were definitely the players that had the biggest impact on this game. Graham, I swear, I think that at some point he's got to be starting this year. I know that he's playing starter minutes tonight. He played 41 minutes, which which was which was a career high. Scored 35 points, which was a career high. 10 for 21 uh, from the field, so that's that's good stuff to see. And six assists. He is just so calm in situations where a second year player wouldn't normally be calm, whether it's late in the shot clock, whether there's a lot of defenders around him in the area, whether it's stepping up for free throws late in the game. He He's very calm in that sense, and he can run the offense like a true point guard and unlike Terry Rozier. And I think those two pair well together, and, and they did see a ton of minutes together in the second quarter and obviously to finish out the game. And those were probably some of the best minutes the Hornets had He's just a decision maker that you need late in the game. And with his three-point ability completely changed from last year, 
Defenses can no longer go under. He's making tough finishes at the basket. I mean, this guy, this guy to me has been the best Hornet through the first seven games of the season. I put out a poll on Twitter asking, you know, is Devontae Graham, PJ Washington, Cody Zeller, anyone else? Who has been the best player? And I want to hear your thoughts on this. To me, it's been Devontae Graham. It's not just because of this game, because this game, he did play very, very, very well probably his best game of the season, but we've seen some of the same stuff from Devontae Graham in this game that we have in previous games. So it doesn't lessen the blow of losing Kimba for nothing, quote unquote, but clearly we have something in Devontae Graham. We just need to keep moving forward with this young guy, giving him minutes, whether it's starter minutes or just giving him a ton of time off the bench uh, and make him close games because he closed out the game for the Hornets tonight, sealed it with a couple of free throws, and, and I believe his last free throw was a miss on purpose for strategic purposes and, and to let the clock run down. But man, very smart player, uh, and I'm glad he's getting the opportunity to play a whole lot more with uh, Kimball Walker now with Boston. And then we can't go without mentioning Cody Martin and uh, Biombo. Biombo, like I said, probably played because P.J. Washington was injured and he came out in the fourth quarter to open up, and I kind of joked, I, th- I thought he kind of snuck onto the court there. Didn't really realize as to why Borrego was putting him out there, but man, had an impact with his energy, his hustle. To me, he probably had his <laughs> best play of his career, where he stole the ball from uh, TJ Leaf at midcourt, took it all the way, dunked it with his left hand. I'm, I'm surprised he didn't dribble off his knee, and making blocks, making rebounds, making hustle plays, all the things that you need out of a, really, a third center to come in and push this team to victory. And and I think him and Cody Martin, again, you can't deny the fact that Cody Martin's making an impact on this team. Yes, he's not a good offensive player yet, but on the defensive end, he was guarding Brogdon, the point of attack defender. He was denying him making sure he didn't get the ball. I mean, if you look at Brogdon's first half to his second half, uh, it's night and day in terms of how easy it was for him to get baskets in the first half because he's such a great, great driver um, of the ball, getting to the hoop. And I'm sure he's relishing his opportunity here in Indiana now that uh, he's no longer, the ball's no longer dominated by Giannis. And he's playing very, very well to start the season. But I would say Cody Martin made his life a little bit more difficult in the second half. He almost stole the ball late in the game. Uh, I know that there's a a, bad, a couple of bad calls on Miles Bridges, but he stripped Malcolm Brogdon and almost got that steal for the Hornets. I, I think you keep playing this guy, whether it's situational minutes on the defensive end or if, like tonight, maybe Bacon's not producing on the offensive end. You give Cody Martin more minutes, and I think you know eleven rebounds. I mean that, that's ridiculous. Eleven rebounds he had, uh, and he had one of these rebounds that he was coming from the weak side of the court and just diving on the floor. So I think I think it must be something with the name Cody that just makes Hornets players just dive on the floor, get bloody noses, get bruises. This guy, this guy may not be something on the offensive end, but he's definitely something when it comes to the energy department. Hornets again, they won 122-120, pushing their record to 4-3. and The Hornets will play Thursday night as Kimball Walker returns to Charlotte. 
Also, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to BuzzBeat and give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of BuzzBeat. Go Hornets! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.